The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Go Green Radio, everybody. I hope you're having a great week. You know, we are going to be talking about a topic today that is an intimate process to every single one of us, and it has to do with food and what we consume, how we consume it, um, and some of the choices that we make that may or may not reflect the values that a lot of us share, which is, hey, let's create a sustainable world. Today, we're joined by Eden Tull. She's the author of a book that I truly enjoyed. It's so accessible to everyday people. It's called The Natural Kitchen, Your Guide to the Sustainable Food Revolution. And what I love about it is that, you know, I've read a lot of what's out on the market right now um, on this topic. And sometimes it's a little scary. It's a little intimidating. But Eden's book, The Natural Kitchen, lays out not only what to do with our food choices and how to prepare our food and how to prepare our kitchen um, to live sustainably, but she, she gives us some really practical tips. I mean, these are tips that work and that you can put into action right away. Um, I really encourage you, as we're talking with Eden, and I'm going to introduce her in just a moment, to open a new tab in your web browser. Don't close this tab. Keep listening to us on voiceamerica.com. But check out her website. You're going to love it. It's www.debraedentull.com. We're going to refer to that website many times. Check it out and look at it as we're talking with Eden. I think you're going to find it a plethora of great information. Well, welcome to Go Green Radio, Eden. So glad to have you. I'm so glad to be here this morning. Well, I'm really excited to share your book and its message with our listeners. But to begin with, I'd love for you to give our listeners just sort of an overview of what the book is all about. Sure. Yeah, The Natural Kitchen, Your Guide to the Sustainable Food Revolution, is about how to adopt a sustainable and mindful relationship to food in all aspects. So from shopping and cooking to storing food, how we grow our food, how we maintain the kitchen, to community food sharing and tips for parents. Um, this is a time when the sustainable food revolution is finally starting to take off, and there's a lot of information out there for people to know, a lot to navigate as we bring a new degree of consciousness to our food choices. So this book really serves as an accessible step-by-step guide to enrich the reader's understanding and relationship with food. Um, It's really a training in how to live as an earth steward because if we learn to approach food in this manner, we're learning how to do it in all aspects of our lives. That's part of the significance. Well, it's so true, and it's something that we we all do several times a day. And it's kind of like, you know, when I 
when I started the Go Green initiative in schools, which is, you know, to help schools go green back in 2002, one of the first things that I suggested to schools they do was start paper recycling because paper in schools is something they handle a lot. Everybody has their hands on it and they're either going to put it in the trash or they're going to put it in the recycling. And once everybody gets on board with recycling paper. It was amazing to see how many other things happened on campus to go green. Similarly, in our lives, if we can think about sustainability around our food choices, because it is something that absolutely everyone has in common, everybody does several times a day, it really does have a ripple effect. Yes. And I think that's what makes your book so um, you know, so central. I mean, it really could be um, a revolutionary way of dealing with a lot of issues in our lives if we start with food. Yes. Yep. Now, you have a really fascinating background. I, I loved reading the intro of your book as much as I did each of the chapters. I'd love for you to share um, some of the highlights of your travels and experiences that inspired you to write The Natural Kitchen. I mean, you know, it's difficult to look at your book just, you know, in a vacuum because it's such a culmination of truly interesting life experiences. Won't you share that with our listeners? Sure. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles, but I left at a very young age um, after high school, really wanting to find the people who were doing something about the environment and sustainability. Um, it simply didn't much exist in Los Angeles at that time. And one of the first things I did was to learn to grow my own food which is life-changing, and I've been doing so ever since. And I had the opportunity to travel around the world and to visit sustainability projects, to spend time living in intentional communities where people were really living in alignment with nature. And I studied organic agriculture and spent time as a farmer as well, studied permaculture design, and spent time as an environmental activist for me, there was a missing piece in the movement back then, and still is to a degree, in addressing how we treat ourselves and one another as part of how we're treating the environment. Uh, there was still a bit of uh, finger-pointing, competition, burnout in the movement of trying to change the world out there. And I was a, a meditator at the time, and I, I became a Zen Buddhist monk for seven years, practicing at a center for peace and sustainability, a Zen monastery. And the two are really truly interwoven uh, and interconnected, how we treat ourselves and how we treat the environment. Uh, it is one and the same. So it was a wonderful experience. And everywhere in my travels that I spent time, everywhere that people were really living sustainably, it was such a different relationship with food from when I would then come back and visit family, let's say, in Los Angeles. And so when I moved back to Los Angeles to serve about four years ago, I began teaching workshops on mindfulness and sustainability and was really deeply moved that it was finally a time when people were ready for a different level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And food is such an obvious doorway to that consciousness, to, it really to is. awareness in our life. So. It it really is. I mean, yeah. when you look back at what was going on 10, 15 years ago, um, you know, it still was not sustainable. I, I mean, uh, mainstream. Sustainability was not as mainstream as it is today. And we have a lot of factors to thank for the higher level of consciousness and willing to um, commit to these, you know, principles amongst mainstream citizens now. Um, but there's still so much room, you know, for improvement and, so and enlightenment. Much. <laughs> 
<laughs> so much. Well, yeah. I love this line from your introduction, and I'd love for you to expand on this thought for our listeners. You say, in my own experience, I have learned that my capacity for peace and well-being is completely intertwined with the degree to which I live in alignment with the principles of sustainability. I'd love for you to give us some examples of ways that you've lived in alignment with the principles of sustainability and how that has increased your sense of well-being. Sure. This is one of my favorite topics, so there's so much I could say about it. Um, But to begin, when we're living out of alignment with sustainability, most of us feel it to some degree. So somewhere deep inside, we know that we're interconnected. So when we overconsume, create a lot of excess trash, waste, resources, energy, and water, just do things the way that everyone does because we don't have the time to address the problems there's some level on which it doesn't feel good. There's a subtle weight or guilt or sadness uh, or a lack of empowerment at the end of the day, and we might not even be that in touch with it. Um, When we make the commitment to living as an earth steward, there's truly a sense of satisfaction at the end of the day because we're taking uh, what I call passionate responsibility for the world we live in, and there's no better feeling. So all of that energy that might be going into despair or guilt or lack of knowledge becomes empowerment. It gets turned into compassionate action. Uh, We learn how to be fully empowered in other aspects of our lives through this as well. It's all related. We're no longer passive consumers. And as I talk about in the book, there's a lot that's attached to uh, the notion of living as a passive consumer. So conscious choices spring naturally from the experience of the joy of sustainable living. So again, there is a a ripple effect. Um, Every step we take for the planet is a step that feeds us immediately or indirectly. So even as simple as eating healthier food tastes so much better, and we, we get that, and then people get turned on and there's no turning back, right? Absolutely. Less stuff solves the problem of clutter in our lives. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. there's this, wow, I, I want to be living more simply. I finally get it on an experiential level, not someone telling me I should do this. Mm-hmm. So giving back to the planet really also trains us to give back to ourselves. Um, and most importantly, I would say that being an earth steward requires a mindfulness or a degree of being more present in our lives that simply enriches the entire quality of our life experience. Mm-hmm. It's very significant when people make that connection. Well, and so many people are searching, you know, for exactly what you're talking about, that sense of peace and well-being. I mean, in our stressed-out lives, um, that that's something that people spend billions of dollars on, you know, various industries in our, um, you know, in our society to, to try and, and search after that. And what you're suggesting is so refreshing um, that, that I think it, it will appeal to folks if they just kind of open their minds to the possibility that it can be as simple and as accessible, you know, to everyone, regardless of your budget. <laughs> you don't have to buy a yoga mat or, you know, yeah. uh, join a gym or buy any, you know, special products. To, to get that sense of, of well-being. I, I'd like to talk about, you know, a lot of times when people think of sustainability, they think of recycling or, you know, if they really want to get into it, composting. But talk to us about why food is such a, an integral part of this sustainability concept. 
Certainly, yeah. Um, a lot of us who were brought up in cities or suburbs um, really trained to some degree to be passive consumers. You sort of turn on the tap and your water, all the water you want comes. You turn on the switch and you get endless electricity. Food just comes from the market or any restaurant down the street, right? Right. But when we begin to shift our perspective and look a little deeper, beyond the plate of food we see on our dinner plate is a whole web of interconnection from the personal to the environmental to the political, the economy, very much connects uh, from local to global. There's great significance in our food choices. Um, We all eat three meals or so a day. So it's a fundamentally important area for us to learn how to live in harmony with nature. Um, and food, as I was speaking before, is it's an experience we have every day. So it's something where people can really make and feel the shift experientially of what mm-hmm. it means to live sustainably, how this feeds me in a much better way, and it's feeding the planet in the same at the same time, and those things go hand in hand. So it's a way people can experience it rather than just be told this is what you should do and do it for that reason. Well, and and as you mentioned, when you look at what's on our plate, um, you know, we may not be thinking about it, but there's water usage involved, energy usage involved, fuel um, to transport the food, and the choices that we're making um, either use a lot of natural resources or a minimal amount. And, and yeah. part of the problem, I think, is that sometimes consumers you know, just don't have access to the information, the labeling that would help them make those choices. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we have so much more to talk about with Eden and her book, The Natural Kitchen, Your Guide to the Sustainable Food Revolution. While we're on a commercial break, listen along, but you can also check out her website at www www.debraedentall.com. We'll be back right after this commercial break. News. Opinion. Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. 
Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. I am so glad that you could join us. I'm also so glad that our guest today could join us because I am a big fan of what she's doing. Uh, Eden Tull is the author of a book called The Natural Kitchen, Your Guide to the Sustainable Food Revolution. And I read it cover to cover and I found it absolutely practical and yet inspiring. And though I have been in the quote-unquote environmental industry for a long time, um, and I've been a mother, you know, for nearly 20 years, there was a question that Eden asked in her book that hit me right between the eyes. And I have to say, I had never thought of it, and I really want to explore it. Eden, um, one of the questions that you raised in the book is this. Do our current food practices reflect the values we want to teach the next generation. And I've got to say, I never considered what I'm putting on my children's plate quite that way. I mean, I try to be a good shopper and everything, but am I showing them my values by what I serve and what I pack for their lunches? I know that a lot of our listeners out there are moms who are trying to be the best moms they can be, and I'd love for you to spend a few moments talking to our listeners about this very poignant concept. Certainly. Yeah. Um, In the book, I lay out 10 principles for sustainability, for sustainable living, that I feel are key um, in making the shift that we need to make. And I'm working on a a second book that really goes a lot more into this in how to really be an earth steward. But um, consider that we're always practicing something. We're always strengthening either the muscle of unconsciousness and ignorance causing harm through our actions and our choices and the choices we're modeling for our children, or we're building and strengthening the muscles of a conscious lifestyle, the muscles of compassionate awareness. There's so much about our relationship with food um, that I consider insanity, (laughs) from how we treat our soil Uh and disregard it, to how we treat other living beings, the honeybees, Uh um, to the fact that We underpay farmers and still use toxic chemicals on the food we're feeding our children. Our children learn from our example. So there is a lot that we can teach through how we are with food, what we're modeling about the values that we want to pass down and to strengthen in this world. 
Well, and you know, it's interesting. There's so many moms that I talk to who are very conscious about, you know, telling the kids, you know, we're turning the lights off as we leave the room and here's why. We're recycling, you know, this in our house and here's why. Um, you know, so that kids understand not just what to do, but why we do it. And I think extending that to mealtime is a beautiful idea. You know, I this lettuce you know, was grown five miles from our house by so-and-so that I met at the farmer's market. And here's why, you know, I bought it and here's why I serve it, you know, or things like that. I just, I I love that whole idea and I'm going to be instituting that in my family's life as a result of being inspired by you. I, you mentioned these principles of a sustainable kitchen and you've outlined them just so eloquently in your book. I, I can't wait for our listeners to get a hold of your book, The Natural Kitchen, and, and dive into this. I'd love to spend some time talking through some of those principles. Let's start with conscious consumption of resources. Talk to our listeners about what that means. Sure. Um, well, a sustainable kitchen is, of course, built on the foundation of consciously chosen healthy ingredients and a focus on organic, local, whole foods. And in addition, being green in the kitchen means being conscious of our use of every resource, from using the whole of the broccoli instead of just the broccoli florets, to um, not wasting leftovers. There's a whole practice of zero waste in the kitchen that I can get into, to practicing conservation and reuse of the energy, water, and packaging that comes through our kitchens. So we're really um, bringing a degree of consciousness to, to every degree of what we're consuming that um, truly impacts our lives for the better. It feels so good at the end of the day to know that all of the choices you've made, everything you're consuming is uh, something that you fully support. Well, and I have to say that you really give some um practical tips on how to do that. You know, you give some recipes um, to use leftovers and ways to package leftovers and and to shop so maybe there aren't leftovers Mm -hmm. and things like that. I mean, the book, folks, is is a gem. You've got to get a hold of it. It ought to be uh, right next to all your favorite cookbooks. This is a, it's a great resource. Uh, let's talk about the principle of conscious disposal of resources. So what are some of the ways that we can be more conscious about what we're disposing of in our kitchens? Absolutely. Um, I love this topic. And of course, uh, in nature, there is no such thing as waste. It's really mm-hmm. something that humans created. So there's a lot we can do to Uh, create a zero-waste system in our kitchen, in our homes. And so that might range from um, the art of composting, which I think more and more people are starting to do and can cut down on trash by 50%, to putting energy into um, menu planning. It's just a ritual I recommend people do once a week, perhaps on a Sunday. A bit Mm -hmm. of bringing more awareness to how you plan your menu so that meals can recycle down into one another, things aren't being thrown out, If you're making a big batch of rice, you know that it's going into this dish and that, and then it can be used for something else later. To really learn, learning that um, all different parts of a vegetable, let's say, have nutrients for us. So I'm going to cook the entire beet, the beets and the beet greens, and be really um, practiced in how to make delicious food that doesn't waste scraps. Um, When I cook, I first put things into a pile for making stock. 
And so I make my own stock a couple of times a week, and it's delicious, and then it gets recycled into compost. There's so many ideas. Um, Mm -hmm. The book outlines a a bunch of creative ideas, but if you have a garden, there's a lot you can do in terms of connecting your, your garden to the kitchen and really seeing everything as a resource. Right. And I have to say, you know, for years I resisted the idea of sitting down on the weekend to do menu planning and then shopping according to that menu. But because I, I, you know, I'm a working mom and it's busy, it's crazy. And I don't know why I thought that it was less stressful thinking about what I was going to serve for dinner the day of, like after work. <laughs> but I did that for years. And uh-huh. I have found that doing that menu planning has really reduced the waste in our kitchen. Nothing goes bad anymore. And it reduces my stress. I know what what's happening with the menu. I can plan ahead, love my crock pot, I use it all the time. But I have all the ingredients I need. I've thought about it and, and it's done. I think about it one time a week and then I just execute. It really is a great practice to get into. Um, you talk about the principle of awareness of our energy use and carbon footprint. You know, a lot of us aren't thinking about our carbon footprint when we're making dinner. So talk about that concept a little bit. Absolutely. Well, you just mentioned crockpot cooking, and of course that can cut down on our energy use by 75%. Um, and there's so much more that we can do. I was very lucky to spend a year of my life um, cooking over 90% of my meals on a solar oven. So simply all of my meals from the energy of the sun. And I continue to use a solar oven and also a bike-powered blender for human power (laughs) for my smoothies and things, which is really, really fun. And there's a lot that we can all be doing, even if we don't have those two things in our lives right now. Whether it's bringing attention to the way we cook our rice, for instance, um, I'll cook my rice on the flame for a short period of time and then turn it off and just allow longer period for it to steam cook mm-hmm. to utilizing energy-efficient appliances, which there are many more available out there now um, that I That's outline true. in the book for people, mm-hmm. um, even to consider that an organic farm uses 30 to 50% less energy than a conventional farm primarily due to the huge energy savings when we avoid synthetic nitrogen fertilizer. Mm-hmm. So you're saving energy just by eating organic. Um, so, so it can be a fun thing to bring into your awareness and almost start uh, turning into a game. How can, I yeah. start, how can I look at serving one-pot meals instead of using all the burners? Things like mm-hmm. that. Well, and what I appreciate so much about your book is that though there's so much in it in terms of tips and ideas and concepts, um, it's not overwhelming because by the end of each chapter, you ask a simple question like, all right, what's the one thing out of all of this you can try right now? And so it's not about turning your kitchen upside down and shaking out everything that isn't sustainable overnight. It's a process, and it's a respectful, peaceful process, and I like the way that you approach that in the book. Thank you for bringing Um, that up, because I feel it's so important how we approach change is um, how successful we'll we'll be with it. Right. I mean, if, if if it causes more stress to try and achieve you know, peace, <laughs> yeah. that, you know, that just is counterintuitive. So I like the, the respectful way that you bring that, you know, to the forefront. You talk about a commitment to a safe and non-toxic world. And I, that is 
such a big issue for a lot of parents today. People are so aware of how toxic certain substances and even things we breathe can be to children because their little bodies are so much smaller and they metabolize things in such a different way than adults do. So would you mind spending some time talking about how to bring that principle into our kitchens? Certainly, yeah. When I moved back to Los Angeles, which is quite a toxic environment, after living for so many years with very fresh, clean air and well water and a very fortunate lifestyle, I was just struck um, by the degree of unconsciousness that we have around toxins. It's phenomenal, and it could be a whole um, radio show hour in itself, but it really strikes me with food. (laughs) There shouldn't be any toxins around food, and yet we are still using pesticides, and then we're cooking our food sometimes in toxic pots and pans and storing them in plastic and other toxic containers. We're still using cleaners and things in our kitchen, which are toxic. Mm -hmm. Um, It just strikes me as insanity. So I offer some tips and tools in the book for how to simply commit to a safe, non-toxic world. And this awareness extends to what we put down the drain and what goes into the trash, as we know that our waste has an impact on other life forms as well. Absolutely. And I can't emphasize enough to our listeners how very well done the book is in terms of being uh, giving us the high-level concepts about why would we be committed to things like a safe, non-toxic world, um, and then bringing it right down to literally the kitchen table in terms of practical tips to implement those principles in our own lives and in our own kitchens. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but we've got much more coming up with Eden Tull, author of The Natural Kitchen, your guide to the sustainable food revolution. So don't go away. More Go Green Radio right after this. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. 
Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. I'd like to give a special shout-out to all my tweeps who are following us on Twitter. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, my handle is at JillBuck, J-I-L-L-B-U-C-K, and I love to be on Twitter. In fact, I read all the emails that you all send me on GoGreenRadio at gmail.com, but uh, if you want to hit me quick, 140 characters or less, hit me at at JillBuck, and I love to hear what you have to say about the show. Today's show is really, really important to each and every one of us. We eat every day and we're talking about what we eat and how to adopt a more sustainable approach to the food that we consume and that we purchase and that we prepare. And we're joined today by Eden Tull, author of a book I really like. And I mean, I think it's one of those things that should be on every kitchen counter or your bookshelf. It's called The Natural Kitchen, Your Guide to the Sustainable Food Revolution. It's going to be right next to all my cookbooks and I, I really appreciate it. If you'd like to learn more about Eden Tull and what she does, she also gives workshops. She's a consultant. She can come right into your kitchen and help you out as well. Um, you can go on her website, www.debraedentull.com. Com. Check it out. Um, for those of you who are just joining us, maybe you joined us a little late, don't worry because we have another time that you can hear the beginning of this show. In addition to being on Voice America's Variety Channel every Friday, we're syndicated and we air on uh, the Green Living Channel, which you can find if you go to voiceamerica.com. Check on, check on the Green Living uh, button there. And we are aired every Tuesday on that channel from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific, noon to 1 on the East Coast. And everybody in between, do your own math. So you can check us out then. Recommend us to your friends if you're catching this a little late and you want to listen to the whole show. Well, Eden and I have been talking about some of the principles that she's laid out to create a sustainable kitchen. And Eden, I'd love for you to talk about sustainable food security. What does that mean and how can we institute that principle in our kitchens? Certainly. Um, a sustainable kitchen is engaged in the mission to support future food security by bringing an awareness to issues such as soil health, small farm welfare, water quality, um, an awareness of federal food regulations, genetic engineering, other threatening food practices. So even for people to consider that our seed bank 
is right now really in the hands of just a, a few big companies. That's the kind of thing that our seed bank should not be in the hands of just a few companies. And mm-hmm. the seed saving movement is one way that this is being addressed in terms of sustainable food security. A couple of really simple ways to honor this tenant of sustainability is simply to make a commitment to local, organic, and seasonal foods and to buy your food directly from the farmer whenever you can. That's a very simple take. Another is to educate yourself, and people think that it's going to be um, an overwhelming task or too much information to keep track of, but it's really not. Um, the book the book offers a great education. There's one chapter in particular about what's really important to know about sustainable agriculture and food security, and just bringing it into your awareness, um, you you will be guided in what choices to make through that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You also talk about a concept that I think is so refreshing, and it's giving back and being generous. Talk about that concept and how we can bring it into our kitchens. Absolutely. I, I considered titling book uh, A Kitchen That Gives Back, but I didn't think the title would be very popular. But <laughs> it really covers so much of what we're talking about here. Um, I talk about in the book how traditionally a farmer will set aside a portion of his or her land to grow food for the needy. Um, and in this spirit, I know many sustainable organic farms that practice that today because food is so abundant when we're, uh, when we're farming. Giving back in the spirit of generosity extends from everything from giving back to our soil and that one of the primary problems with conventional agriculture is that it doesn't at all have this approach of giving back to nature. So, of course, we reap the soil of vital nutrients. We're harvesting food from conventional agriculture, which is completely missing the nutrients that we need to be eating, and it's causing health problems to a degree we're just beginning to learn, Mm -hmm. Um, to giving back to the honeybees and the insects that pollinate the food by not killing them off with our uh, systemic pesticides, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, I think, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to simply the spirit with which we're eating our food, really being present and in a spirit of gratitude and generosity. We're so incredibly lucky to um, be of the population that has enough food to, to fill our bellies and to really celebrate that and extend it out so that even in, in this country, um, no one is hungry. We're being generous with our sustainable food supply. Right. Well, and, and truly, I mean, you know, that we can feed the world. It's a distribution issue more than um, a production issue. And um, one of the things that, that I know some of the families in my community have started doing is um, what they call Operation Rice Bowl, where, you know, a few times a week you have a, a meal that's maybe a little bit smaller or a little bit less expensive to to buy and, and to produce, and then put the money that you saved uh, into a little pot that you give to Operation Rice Bowl so that, uh, you know, we can help those in need buy food or access food that they might not otherwise have the resources to do. So there's a lot of ways to institute that principle in our lives and certainly in our kitchens. But I really think uh, when you talk about bringing peace and well-being into your lives, that feels really good. And I, I love it that you've included that into the book. Now, 
I'd like to shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about what's going on in agriculture. Let's talk about, you know, you mentioned the seed bank. You mentioned um, honeybees. And I want to dig into this a little bit because I think that the average American is is very unaware of what's going on in terms of our food production. First of all, talk to us about this, quote, unquote, green revolution and the effect that it's had on our food. Certainly. Um well, I'll share a story. In the early 90s, I had the opportunity to spend time in India, and I was in the northern Himalayas. I got to be a part of the uh, a seed savers exchange where villagers came from all over to exchange and share seeds to grow their seed bank because in that part of India, there used to be 5,000 varieties of just rice seed, and because of the Green Revolution, they were down to under 1,500. All mm. of those seeds had been lost. And in India in general, they've gone from 800,000 varieties of seed to under 250,000 because mm. of the Green Revolution. So essentially, when I say Green Revolution, I'm referring to uh, the period of time, uh, early 70s, really, when we went into countries like India to, quote-unquote, help um, by introducing our seeds, so we would go into this part of northern India, let's say where I was, and say, hey, you're, you're struggling. Let us introduce our seeds. However, these are hybrid seeds that will not reproduce on their own, so you're going to need to buy them from us every year, which you've never had to rely on outsiders for your seed. It's just one kind of seed that we're pushing, one kind of rice, and it's going to require pesticides, which you've never needed before. So you can imagine uh, the havoc that this wreaked on places that had simply practiced sustainable agriculture in the past, you following? And so the impact was, was huge, and ironically, the impact was, uh, along with a very diminished seed bank, which seed savers are now working to rebuild because uh, in India they so seed is considered uh, the word comes is bija the container of all of life so mm-hmm. seed is considered sacred so there's a lot of there's a lot of problems that stemmed from the green revolution um, and very ironically there has also been a 400 percent increase in pests since that time. Hmm. Using pesticides uh, had the the, the opposite effect. effect as it has had here. Yes. Well, and and you know, it, it's very difficult to scientifically you know link all of this together. But at the same time that we saw a lot of the genetically engineered uh, seeds going in, you know, who knows if there's a connection? Maybe one day we'll know. But at the same time, you can see the graphs for incidence of childhood allergies asthma, um, and other health problems spike at around the same time. And some people say, oh, that's just because reporting of those you know, instances got better. It uh, wasn't really you know, that there were more autistic or asthmatic kids. We just reported it better. Well, maybe, maybe not. But it's just interesting that at the same time, this, you know, this, our, our food changed, our seeds changed, and you know, more pesticides were being introduced, we also started to see significant health problems amongst consumers of that food. Um, And I think that's something that we really have to take a look at. Absolutely. Um, 
we have about a minute before we go to a quick commercial break, but um, tell us where our, our listeners can learn more. I mean, this is an overwhelming concept. It's kind of scary. Where can they learn more about what's going on with genetically engineered food? Certainly. Um, I recommend that people learn about um, genetic engineering. You can visit just Friends of the Earth International, foei.org. There's a nonprofit called Navdanya, which Dr. Vandana Shiva, who is an incredible activist, I would say um, doing some of the most important work against genetic engineering internationally. She's based in India, so it's navdanya.org. I would mm-hmm. definitely check them out and um, plug in in whatever way you can assist. Um, and there's also information about the, the issue in the book. Absolutely. And that book can be found at www.debraedentull.com. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with Eden and more from The Natural Kitchen, your guide to the sustainable food revolution. Don't go away. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Interstate Sportsman Talk Radio Show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice America Network with hunting and fishing info news. Talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join hosts Brock Ray and Don Kirk Friday mornings at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 Eastern for the Interstate Sportsman on the Voice America channel. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today's show host and and guest, uh, I mean, Eden Tull, has just been so helpful to us. I, I find so much inspiration in people who can make very complicated concepts and principles simple. I mean, I think that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. And Eden has been sharing her wisdom with us today. And for those of you who feel intimidated or sort of overwhelmed by the sustainable food revolution, I can't emphasize enough how helpful her book, The Natural Kitchen, Your Guide to the Sustainable Food Revolution, really is. I mean, it's absolutely accessible. It's very practical. And uh, I'm a big fan. So I would really recommend going out to her website, DebraEdenTull.com, and grabbing a copy for yourself. I think you'll really enjoy it. Eden, you have some great shopping tips for people who want to live sustainably but are also on a budget. Hey, it's a recession. Um, please share with us some of those tips. I think our listeners will really benefit from that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, the first thing is just to consider what someone might be able to grow themselves to amend their diet and save some money and so to really make the choice of what to grow that's um, that's going to make the biggest impact. So. Uh, right now, I'm growing a lot of greens and lettuces and things that I know are really expensive in the store and all the herbs that I would use that are um, expensive in the store and easy for me to grow. And I grow a bunch of other things too, but I, I choose things first. So it's to ask yourself that question and plant strategically. When you're shopping, there's five simple questions that I encourage people to uh, carry along with you. The first, of course, is, is it organic? And if I'm on a budget, is it a food, deemed, a food deemed okay to not buy organic? So there's a list called the Clean 15, the 15 foods least likely to contain pesticide residue, and the Dirty Dozen, the 12 foods to eat only if they're organic. And I offer this list in the book, and you can also find it online. And I think it's really, really helpful. So, for instance, foods like onions and garlic, um, they really have their own pesticides built in, and they have these thick skins, so barely anything is going to be used on them compared to, let's say, strawberries or peaches, okay? Mm-hmm. And the next question is going to be, is this locally grown or shipped overseas? If so, do I support the production of this food? So you can really be making choices on that level. Mm-hmm. Can I find the food with the least amount of packaging? So can I buy it in bulk, ideally? And then the fourth question is, is it a GMO-free food? And uh, it does. Be- it is becoming hard- harder to determine that. But if you're buying bulk organic produce and it's labeled organic, you can be sure it's GMO-free. Mm-hmm. And can I support the farmer directly in some way? So um, buying from a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, or local farmer's market, and if it fits none of the above, to ask yourself the question, do I really need this? Or can this be a sometimes treat rather than a regular in my diet? Because we don't really ask those questions enough, I think. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, um, you know, if it, 
something that you want and and it's in the grocery store i mean i i can honestly say even you know myself i don't ask that question nearly enough do we really need this or you know is this something we can just do without um i get asked this a lot because i i do eat meat oh you know i sometimes like feel like I, it's a confession. Um, I don't eat it every day, but for those of us who, who like to eat meat every once in a while, can we live sustainably too, or are we just automatically on the no-no list? Yeah, good question. Good question. Um, no one is on the no-no list. The book was written for both omnivores and vegetarians, vegans alike. Um, the importance, what we're going for, is learning how to adopt a conscious diet, where we're really practicing awareness and mindfulness and asking the right questions. Someone, uh, There are uh, some basic reasons why being a vegetarian and eating lower on the food chain is better for the environment. And I also know vegetarians who might be making that conscious choice but have no consciousness of where their produce comes from or the amount of packaging in their lives or any of that. I feel that the important thing to be thinking about is how conscious am I in my diet? So if I'm an omnivore, how can I do that as consciously as possible? And that might mean um, finding a local producer of the meat that you're eating who's really practicing the principles of sustainability. Mm -hmm. And you have to look and you will find that person. And really learning to say no to all the other sources. Mm-hmm. because the impact of the meat industry is, is huge. Um, so I think it's a question for each individual to really look and see for his or herself, but consciousness is the, the point. Well, and I like that approach. I mean, it, you know, there are plenty of people out there that are kind of preachy, you know, <laughs> kind of controversial and, and uh, adversarial on these issues, and I appreciate the way that you approach this. I, and that's part of why I, I liked reading your book so much is because you're very compassionate, <laughs> mm. you know, to in meeting people where they are um, rather than setting a standard that feels overwhelming to meet, and I like that. You know, there's a lot of moms out there listening to Go Green Radio, and one of the things that we – we are faced with, you know, every day, whether we're packing lunches or whether we're, uh, you know, for kids or, or whether, you know, we've got to be out on the road for whatever reason, you give some great tips about how to be zero waste on the road. I'd love for you to share some of that with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I first moved back to Los Angeles, was living in a city again, I was struck by just being out and about in the world, how much trash um, oh. people are producing and all of these disposable cups and napkins and all kinds of things. So a very simple step. I just encourage everyone to prepare yourself by having um, what I call an urban eco kit and just have that with you all the time. And it just means that in my backpack or purse, I'll carry with me wherever I go a little stainless steel container. So if I go out to eat, I want to pick something up or find myself in a situation I didn't expect to be in. I have a healthy stainless steel container, my own packaging to take it home in. And inside of that, I keep my own set of eating utensils, a cloth napkin, a rolled-up bag in case I'm going to end up purchasing something I didn't expect. I always carry my own drinking vessel. Uh, Really, we need to be beyond the days of going to a coffee shop and using 
throw away cups, even if they're recyclable. Let's consider that recycling takes a lot of energy and water and money. We can bring our own. (laughs) So it's really preparing yourself wherever you go. And, um, you know, you don't have to spend money to create a natural, sustainable kitchen, but you might want to invest in a a couple new things, for instance, for packing meals and to-go food for your kids and all of that, really, Mm -hmm. really committing to getting away from plastics. That includes plastic bags, plastic wrap, plastic containers. We have enough other choices now so we can really um, prepare our own uh, meals and avoid mm-hmm. plastic, and a lot of people sort of know about that's what they should be doing, but there's something just addictive about plastic. Well, there is, and, and, and I like your book for the practical tips and suggestions that you make uh, for helping us find just the right products if we don't already have them. Eden, thank you so much for joining us on Go Green Radio, and thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. We'll be back same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio, so until then, have a great day week and go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the KidStar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday.